Amen. May I once again speak of the honor and the privilege it is to stand before you with God's word between us. For his word says, Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel with wrath and fierce anger, to make the land a desolation and to destroy its sinners from it. How great is the wrath of God against the depth of our depravity. How righteous is holy God in his wrath against the sinfulness of man, against that nature that denies him, against that nature that rebels against his truth, that nature of disobedience. How righteous, how righteous the Lord our God is in his wrath against our sin. Is there no hope for us is there none who is able to save? Is there none who could stand in our stead who would be worthy to propitiate the wrath of God? Perhaps Adam. The first man created by God's own hand created from the dust of the earth, the father of us all. But no, Adam chose another path. Noah, a man who found grace in the eyes of the Lord, obedient. But wine was his downfall. Abraham, a man chosen by God to be the father of his people, certainly a man willing to sacrifice, but ultimately a man lacking in faith. Moses? <laughs> now, that temper of his kind of leaves him out. David, a man after God's own heart, but far too much of his own sin to deal with, to take ours. Is there no one? The psalmist wrote, The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside, Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Is there not one? Is there not one whom God might choose? Is there not one whom God might send 
Certainly there must be one under God's grace, obedient, courageous, willing and able. A man who knew no sin, that he might become sin for us. What do you say to such a man? How do you respond to such a Savior? On the church calendar, they call today Palm Sunday. But certainly it is a day for us to remember that on this day, the the first day of the week of Passover, that this man Jesus, who had done so many marvelous things, this man Jesus, who had come into the world preaching and teaching of God's love and the love of man for one another. In Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 29, we have the account of that Sunday. For he records when he, that is Jesus, when Jesus drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to him, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they sat Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if if these were silent, silent, the very stones would cry out. Jesus, only a short time before, had raised Lazarus from the dead. A miracle that was witnessed by a multitude, a crowd, witnessed by many, many people. And when Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, the word spread. The word spread throughout that village where Lazarus had his home. And the word spread quickly into the surrounding area and into Jerusalem. It was all the talk. And now this Jesus, 
this Jesus who had spoken the word and Lazarus had come forth from the tomb, this Jesus was now approaching the city of David, coming to Jerusalem for the Passover. And this event, this occasion, this Palm Sunday, this triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem is bracketed on the one side by the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead and on the other by the crucifixion of the Son of God. It is not entirely wrong to say that Jesus was crucified, Jesus was executed, Jesus was put to death because he raised Lazarus from the dead. We all know no good deed goes unpunished. However, on this day, Jesus was received by the multitude in the hope that as he had, had preached, as he had taught, and all the, the wonderful things that he had done, that he was in fact Messiah. That he was in fact the one God had promised, the one God had said through his prophet, prophets that Jesus would be acknowledged, that Jesus would be proclaimed, that Jesus would be known to be the King, the Savior, the Lord of Israel. And so they shouted His name. They shouted, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Now what did they mean to proclaim that Jesus was a King? What is a King? For we certainly have to acknowledge that we Americans are not real big on kings. The last time we had a king, it just didn't work out too good. So we have all had an aversion to kings as a people. So let me talk just a bit about what it really means to be a king. For Truly, the king in his kingdom, the king is the kingdom. We think of ourselves that we are the nation of America. There are certainly geographic limits, but when we talk about America, we're talking about a people. Well, that is not the case in a kingdom. But rather, the people in a kingdom understand that the king is the kingdom. He is the nation. He is the, the, not just the representative, but he is in fact the glory of the kingdom. And in, as such, he is, he is sovereign over his kingdoms. He is the sole, ultimate, unquestionable, undeniable authority in his kingdom. No wonder we don't like kings. We are a people who like to have our say. Yeah, 
Amen. We are a people who like to think at least that we're in control. But a king, the sovereign over the kingdom, while he has great honor and glory, he also has great responsibility. For his role is to be the protector of the kingdom. It is the king who defends his subjects in his kingdom. The king is responsible as the provider of his kingdom. It is he who ensures the well-being of those in his kingdom. And certainly the king is ultimately the judge in his kingdom. He is the judge from whom there is no appeal. He establishes justice. He defines right and wrong. He rewards and punishes. Now those that are familiar with the history of the nation of Israel, the records of the Old Testament, will recognize immediately that the king that God had sent, the man after God's own heart, King David, had in fact been all of this to his nation, his kingdom of Israel. In the day of Jesus, the Romans, the Romans were an alien invader. They were not protectors, but rather they abused the people. They were not providers, but rather the people were impoverished by their heavy taxes. There was no justice. The people were abused, punished according to the capriciousness of the Roman soldiers. Can there be any doubt? The height of the desire among these people that God would fulfill his promise. Send them a king. The prophets had spoken of God's promise. God's promise that they would give them a king once again like David. And here was Jesus. Obviously a man favored by God. Obviously a man favored by God for certainly the miraculous things that he had done caused the blind to see, the lame to walk, casting out demons, feeding thousands, raising the dead. Here was Jesus, a man favored by God, as evidenced by all the miraculous things he had done. Here was Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a colt exactly as the prophet Zechariah had foretold. For he had written, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. 
the power of God is moving in Israel. Hosanna. Hallelujah. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Surely, this is our king. Surely, this is the end of all our troubles. Surely our king will now expel the hated Roman invaders. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Jesus willingly accepts their praise. For king he is. Savior, he is Messiah, the Christ. But the battle this champion came to wage, the battle this king came to join, was not to be against the Roman Empire, but against a far greater enemy of mankind. For his battle would be against sin. The curse which corrupted God's creation. It was by sin. They all turned aside. It was sin by which they had become corrupt. There was none good. Not even one. But Jesus was not facing destruction. Jesus would be the victor. Suffering? Yes. But suffering for a divine cause. Suffering in fulfillment of the Father's will for the salvation of his people. Jesus was on a glorious mission. The king was setting out on battle. And he was worthy to be praised as he came to the final battlefield. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the king who protects his kingdom by putting sin to death. The king who provides for his kingdom by the gift of life eternal. The king who establishes justice for his kingdom by his sinless death and glorious resurrection. Worthy is he to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Amen. But then, then there's snidely whiplash. There's the, the complainers. The whiners. 
Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But they have, they have no power. They have no authority. They have no righteous cause to silence the praise for the king. For this is praise that originates in the halls of glory. This is praise. These are hallelujahs which resound from creation itself unto its creator. If these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Hyperbole? Maybe. But I would remind you that Satan himself had tempted Jesus to turn the stones into bread. Satan certainly believed that Jesus could make the stones into bread. Should we not think that God himself could make the stones cry out in praise of his son? What a procession. What a parade. There's never been one like it. No circus parade. No Macy's parade. No Rose Bowl parade. No Disney World parade. Amen. No finale where creation wasn't groaning, but ready to cry out in praise. What a procession. What a parade. Never been one like it. But there, there yet shall be one greater. For Jesus suffered the cross for our sins. He was buried. He rose on the third day. Was seen by, by hundreds of people. He ascended into heaven. Where he sits at the right hand of the Father. Making intercession. And he will come again. Not riding on a colt. But as John recorded, he said, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were follow following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. 
He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What do you say to such a Savior? What do you say to such a King? How do you reply? with Charles Wesley. Oh, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. The glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. Believing Believing what occurred before now strengthens our faith in what is to come. For certainly we embrace the glory of that occasion as Jesus, our Savior and King, rode into Jerusalem humble. And so we are confident, we are assured, we are certain that that day will come when He returns upon a white horse the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Amen. In that day, will you be singing with the saints or will you be crying for the rocks to fall upon you, to hide you from his face? For as we read this morning, the psalmist calls us to serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you perish in the way, for His wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. and make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations.